here is our unedited interview with Jerry Beck. Hi, my name is Jerry Beck, and uh, I'm an animation historian. What does that mean? I've written 15 books on the history of animation, ranging from the subjects of Looney Tunes to Hanna-Barbera, SpongeBob, Pink Panther, and on and on and on. I, I can't even remember all my books. I also teach animation history at CalArts and Woodbury University in Burbank. I uh, officiate over two blogs, one called Cartoon Research, Dot com. The other one is called animationscoop.com. Oh, I put on screenings in various cities and theaters, festivals, uh, curate video uh, cartoons for video and DVD and Blu-ray, and uh, many, many, many other things like that. I'm also the president of ASIFA Hollywood, A-S-I-F-A, ASIFA Hollywood. That's an international animation organization. We do the Annie Awards. Every year we give out rewards for best picture and best animator, best storyboard artist, that kind of thing. We also, as part of ASIFA, we do film preservation and uh, we give scholarships. And, um, you know, so my whole life is immersed in animation and the history of animation. Well, I grew up in New York, and believe it or not, they ran them on television back in the 1960s. I watched them in black and white on an old TV. Uh, they were pretty amazing. I mean, of course, I was also watching the live-action Superman series with George Reeves at that time. But the uh, the cartoons would come on occasionally. Of course, there's only 17 of them. And uh, you could tell, even though they were in black and white and fuzzy reception on my, you know, cathode ray tube <laughs> TV set uh, with an antenna, you know, and everything, they were very dark. It was hard to even see them in black and white on TV. It was kind of weird. They really need to be seen in color on a big TV screen or in a movie theater if you're lucky. But I uh, I do remember them. They were part of my childhood. Uh, they, I, they were pretty amazing. Uh, there were 17 of them. The first nine were produced by the Fleischer Studio. And then the subsequent, I guess, eight or so were produced by Famous Studios, which is the same studio, minus the Fleischer brothers. They were ousted by Paramount Pictures, changed the name of the studio to Famous Studios. They were all produced in Miami, Florida, where the Fleischer Studio had a, a big studio at that time. They had made the Popeye cartoons and Gulliver's Travels, the feature, were made down there in Miami. The, the first batch that the Fleischers did, that the voices are the same voices for Lois Lane and Superman as they were on the radio show. That was very, very popular at that time. They went to a lot of effort to record the, the voice actors in New York. It's kind of strange because uh, they don't really talk much in the cartoons. The cartoons are all visual, all action, and dialogue is really, really at a minimum. But when they did speak, it was the same voices people were familiar with from the radio shows. The uh, Fleischers got the Superman series because Paramount won the rights to put Superman in the movies. Superman was one of the most popular characters ever created, period, right next to Mickey Mouse and others. And in 1938, Superman was a sensation. 39, there was no bigger character than Superman. And uh, they immediately did a radio show. There was a comic strip in the newspapers. He was the first original character to appear in comic books and pretty much put the entire comic book medium on the map. 
He was also the first modern-day superhero with a costume and a cape and a secret identity. Many Hollywood studios were interested in the idea of putting Superman in the movies. Republic Pictures initially won those rights, but when they did a test, uh, started doing a script, spec script on the character, it was so far removed from what the mythos that DC Comics and Siegel and & Schuster had been creating that uh, national periodical publications the publisher, rights holder, they uh, basically took the rights back from Republic because they wanted to control how the character was perceived and sold to the public. They had that kind of control over the comic strips and the radio show, and they wanted it in the movies as well. And uh, Republic was not going to do it right. So uh, Paramount got the rights and handed it to the Fleischer studio. The Fleischer studio actually initially didn't want to do it. They were making cartoons at a certain budget. They basically told Paramount the only way we can do something like this. Keep in mind, nobody had ever seen a serious cartoon before. You know, a dramatic cartoon. That hadn't been done. Cartoons were basically fairy tales or comedies. So the Fleischers said the only way to do a science fiction cartoon, we'd have to do it three times the budget of a Popeye cartoon. And Paramount said, we'll give you three times the budget. Go do it. I like that they, as inspiration, took uh, the old pulp magazines that were popular then, the Spider, the Shadow, the science fiction magazines that were out on the newsstands. They used that as their template for how to uh, visualize the series. Only in the very first cartoon did they use the Siegel and Schuster designs for Superman. In the second cartoon and onward, they modified that into uh, designs that were easier to animate. You know, I have to say the first cartoon is probably my favorite. I mean, I have a lot to like about Mechanical Monsters, which was the second cartoon. I'm a big fan of uh, Magnetic Telescope. They're all good, but the first one is really, really great. I've seen it many, many times. I show it in my class, my history classes, when I talk about the Fleischers. I, I like everything about it. I like the, the score. It's fantastic. The Sammy Timberg Superman March. The whole score is just inspiring. The special effects of Superman punching the ray. I like the dialogue in it. I like the idea of it. I like the backgrounds and the two little things, because I've seen it so many times that I could nitpick, is I don't like that when he's saving the Daily Planet building, it's not a solid building. It's kind of like jello. So it, it kind of bends in a weird way. Th that's a little corny, and they would never do anything like that again in, in the rest of the series. Another thing in this first cartoon that they would never do again is to have a funny animal sidekick for the villain. The, the, he has this, like, little uh, eagle or a vulture. I'm not sure what he is. He's not really much of a comedy relief figure, but uh, takes away a little bit from the from the dramatic and serious of the rest of the cartoon. And then they never did anything like that. They learned their lesson from the first one. They, they basically improved the series as it went on. But the first one is just so good with the origin. I love that first shot where he's Superman and he's flying towards the camera. And it's just very inspiring. Of course, it was also nominated for an Academy Award. It's the only cartoon series that I know of. And there may be another one and I just can't think of it right now. But it's the only one that I know of that had a trailer like a 30-second trailer that played in movies in the weeks before the first cartoon came out. I can't think of any other cartoon series that was promoted with a, a trailer. 